Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York. And I'm not the guy responsible for turning the Empire State Building green. Before we get to Championship Sunday, before we get to everything that I want to get to today, I am in a rotten, vile, pissy mood. Let me just throw that out there right out of the gate. Number one, I cannot win a bet. I have done nothing but lose the last two weeks. All of the good feelings, all of the good fortune that I had Throughout this NFL season, goes right down the drain. So I, I, I'm bitter about that. We have someone at the Empire State Building whose genius idea is to make the Empire State Building green for the Philadelphia Eagles. What world is this? How stupid can we be? I, I don't want to hear about goodwill and brotherly love and do it. At Independence Hall. Do it at the Liberty Bell. Do it on the Rocky Steps. Not at the Empire State Building! I, I saw that today. My head wanted to explode. And, and, and listen, I'm not even a giant fan. Okay? I, I'm not a giant pom-pom waver. I don't root for a New York football team. The idea that they are going to light up the Empire State Building green and wife for the Eagles. City of Philadelphia better be giving New York like $50 million in order to do that. That's not even enough. So, so you're telling me now if the Red Sox win, I'm going to have to deal with a Red Empire State Building for them? When I'm coming to do a podcast, when I'm driving over the bridge to do television, that's what it is? And don't tell me, oh, well, they lit it up in, in red codes for the Chiefs. Please, 
This is insanity. Insanity. I wanted to get that out of the way. Because that really set me off. You know what else set me off? Let's get right to the two games. The end of this chief Bengal game was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. Now, look, you got a marvelous game today. A great second chapter in the Mahomes-Burrow AFC title game. And if you were a Jet fan watching that game today, I'm sure you were well aware of the fact that there are going to be a lot more battles with Patrick Mahomes and a lot more battles with Joe Burrow as the years go on. And that's your measuring stick, and that's the team you're trying to go after. But in this particular game, my goodness, you are left, and I don't know how you could not feel this way, wanting more with the way that game ended. And I know by letter of the law, and I know people are getting after me on Twitter, and they're they're all pissed off, and JJ, you need glasses. JJ, what are you watching? Yeah, I, I get the letter of the law call. Patrick Mahomes out of bounds gets hit. My problem with the call, you have a defender going 100 miles an hour. You have Patrick Mahomes, who is notorious, and good for him, he gets calls. He's an all-time great quarterback. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. He knows how to play the officials. Good for him. He tends to embellish from time to time on that flock. He got himself a call at the end of the game. That game ending on that play is awful. 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 I do not want a classic game decided that way. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. I mean, you had Mahomes playing on one leg, down no receivers, still throwing BBs to Kelsey, throwing BBs to Valdez Scantling, who had a fabulous, fabulous game. And then on the other side, you got Mr. Unflappable playing behind three backups on the offensive line in Burrow. Hitting Jamar Chase down the field. Hooking up with Higgins. Converting that fourth and six when Tony Romo, who I absolutely love, was totally, totally lost. Basically, in describing the play, Romo is talking about, oh, well, I don't think they're going to go for it. I think, you know, it's a situation basically in which, you know, we're trying to, trying to get the Bengals to either jump or get the Chiefs to jump. No, no, no. Tony, they were going for it. They needed to score a touchdown. Come on. Tony's awesome. I love him. You got to be better than that in that spot. So you got those haymakers going on. Adam Rumo and his adjustments. Andy Reid and what he's trying to do. Both teams clearly not at 100%, but giving you this wildly entertaining game. And I'm like, great. We're going to get overtime, just like we had overtime last year. First time we're going to see these overtime rules. And that's how the game ends. When the officials on that particular play missed a whole queer hold on Hendrickson. I mean, go back and watch it. I'll retweet it. It's not even close. Offensive line is all over him. So you're going to let that one go, and then you're going to call that play on Mahomes. And then you had the Bengals get totally hosed earlier in the game if you go back, right, to that phantom stoppage, which thankfully did not cost Cincinnati. But it felt like there were five, six, seven, eight instances in this game where Cincinnati was on the short end of the stick when it comes to the officiating. So it, it was rather apropos, even if it was a right call, 
But that's how the game ends, with the officials basically put it on a silver platter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Silver platter for the Chiefs. The officiating, you can say whatever the hell you want, it played a massive role in the AFC title game. And that bothers me. And that call, and I feel for that defender. I really do. And you want to tell me, oh, well, he could have sold up. Easier said than done in that spot. You know, this is not a guy who's basically standing in the pocket, gets rid of the ball, and then gets decked in the face, you know, five minutes after the fact. This is not Trent Williams. If you go back to the NFC title game where Trent Williams basically said, hell with this. My team's getting my ass whooped. I'm going to lay the smack down on somebody. Like, those are penalties where it's like, yeah, you know what? You're acting like a total moron. You deserve to get tossed. You deserve the flag. This, I feel for the guy. And, and I know you rules guys are going to come at me saying, JJ, well, it's the right call. It's the right call. It's the right call. It doesn't sit well with me. And that has nothing to do with my bet. That is a classic game. That is an all-time type of game. And we will rob of what should have been a classic finish because the officiating wanted to get in the way. That bothers me. That upsets me. That said, Kansas City and the heroics of Mahomes do not go unnoticed here. He is an all-world quarterback. And you could tell he was playing with a chip on his shoulder. You could tell he had an axe to grind. You could tell that entire Kansas City team had an axe to grind with the Burrowhead stuff and then the dope, the Cincinnati mayor and some of the comments he was making. Like, the Chiefs used that to their advantage. The Bengals, though, that's their way. They're a very flamboyant. They're a very confident type of group. That was a fabulous, fabulous football game. That was soured by the officiating. Soured. And that call at the end of the game, deciding the game, does not sit well with me. You want me to be perfectly frank? I'm going to be perfectly frank. That's what we do here on New York, New York. It soured the end of that game. I can't, like, we should have had a classic overtime. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. But Kansas City's going to the Super Bowl, and Andy Reid is going to the Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes is going to the Super Bowl. And they got to get a bad taste out of their mouth from the last time they were in the game when they were never in the game against Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, you got Reid and the Chiefs, Mahomes and the Chiefs. The NFC game was nowhere close to the classic. And... You know, I feel sorry for the Cincinnati defender. I legitimately feel sorry for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, if you want to make the argument to me, Philadelphia would have won the game anyway. Philadelphia was the better team. Philadelphia was the more complete team. You you can easily do that. But the game immediately was over. Like, there's no getting around this. The minute Brock Purdy got hit by Hassan Reddick, And this is after the Niners, the NFL, whoever you want to blame, Shanahan. The first touchdown Devontae Smith scored, or they score on the Sanders run, said uh, Devontae Smith did not hold on to that football. It wasn't even close. Like, I'm watching it live. I'm like, I don't think he caught that. Then I see the replay. I'm like, no way he caught that. Didn't get the replay in the time. 7 nothing right out of the gate. But the game was over the minute Brock Purdy gets whacked in the arm. You go down to a fourth-string quarterback, and I see people killing Kyle Shanahan on Twitter. What is Kyle Shanahan supposed to do? You're down to a fourth-string quarterback in an NFC title game against 
the number one seed in a hostile environment on the road. Oh, you expect it to go and win that game? Give me a freaking break. It was unlike any other playoff game that I've experienced in my time as a fan from this standpoint. And I'm sure we could find regular season examples. And it's not to say we haven't watched games in which a team has been thoroughly whooped and thoroughly overmatched. But Purdy going down, elbow. And I'm watching the game with a buddy of mine who used to pitch. And he said it immediately. He goes, that's the UCL. He goes, that's his elbow. He's not coming back. He's going to miss time next year. I was like, wow, you really think so? And when he didn't come back immediately after the fact, I was like, yeah, you're so right about that. So, so right about that. But you lose Purdy. And then after you get a touchdown drive, Josh Johnson can't hold on to the football. He fumbles. They end up scoring. And then Johnson ends up getting knocked out of the game. But what made this unlike any other game that I've experienced in my years of watching NFL football in the postseason San Francisco could not complete a forward pass in the second half of that game because they had Brock Purdy back out there. He could not throw. He could not throw the ball literally more than two or three yards down the field. Like, that's probably all his arm could allow, like a quick toss or screen or whatever the case may be. You think with those weapons, you'd like to have him throwing the ball a little bit? Of course. With Ayuk and Kittle and Debo Samuel and on and on we go. So you feel from the Niners' perspective in that way. And you could tell in the second half of the game, the frustrations were really kicking in where basically I'm wondering from Philadelphia's standpoint, why are you playing any guys? Why are you even risking the idea of having anybody out there considering? Like, don't get Jalen Hurts hit anymore. You got an angry, ticked-off team. No, 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 no. So now the stage is set. And if you want to call it the Andy Reid ball, if you want to call it the Kelsey Brothers ball, be my guest, but we'll have the two number one seeds going at it, which does not happen very often. It'll be the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs in Arizona in a couple weeks. And I think the line moving the way that it is moved in the direction of the Eagles it is justified. It is deserved. It is reasonable. I do think it's reasonable. The Eagles are a more complete team. I think the Eagles deserve to be favored. And I see that they opened this Kansas City minus two and immediately the line moved to Philadelphia minus two. One through 53, the Eagle roster is better. Mahomes is the great equalizer. Andy Reid in the revenge game. That, to me, is a fascinating storyline. Very, very fascinating storyline. Here's what I wonder, though, about Philadelphia. They have had Arguably, the easiest road to a Super Bowl that I can ever, ever, ever remember. Not to knock the Giant fan in any way. The Giants, are they one of the eight best teams talent-wise in the NFL? Probably not. And I'm not trying to disparage. You know me. I love me some Brian Dable. I love me some Daniel Jones. You get the Giants at home, team you beat twice. Then you get the Niners, who you thought were going to be this tough juggernaut number two seed, and they're down to a four-string quarterback, and they can't even complete a forward pass in the second half. So there were going to be questions about how tested the Eagles are going into this Super Bowl. On the flip side, you're going to wonder about Mahomes and his ankle. 
and what kind of shape that can be in in two weeks. Kansas City lost a bunch of guys at wide receiver and what the case is going to be there. It's a fun game. Fun game. I have a lean on the game, but you, you might want to take that with a grain of salt because right now, I, I can't win. I legitimately cannot win a bet. I mean, to go... 0-4 divisional round to go 0-2 in the championship games is uh, it's special. Let's just put it that way. It has ruined a lot of the good vibes that we've had uh, throughout the course of this regular season, but it, it is what it is. So it will be the Eagles and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and yeah, I'm ticked off about the officiating. And one of note in that bengal Chief game, didn't even mention this. There were like so many ticky-tack calls that I could just reference that I could keep doing this again and again and again and again. On the big punt return, that kind of set Kansas City up. You had the Bengal sideline screaming, absolutely screaming for a block in the back. Didn't get it. And on the play where you get the late hit out of bounds, I'm telling you, I'm going to retweet this because somebody sent it my way on Twitter and I saw it and I kind of felt that way watching it live. You look at Hendrickson, he's getting help. Like, you're going to miss that, but yet you can't wait to throw the flag out of bounds. Like, you, you couldn't wait to decide the game. A classic game in the AFC title game ends like that. Doesn't sit well. Sorry. Sorry. That's not how I wanted that game decided. So I know a lot of you letter of the law guys and gals are going to come at me. You're going to say, JJ, you're wrong here. That's fine. That bothered me. That bothered me. And that's going to be my great takeaway from this cheap Bengal game when we talk about it a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And from a rooting interest, I got to be honest. And as angry as I might have been, trust me, very, very, very angry about the idea that the dopey Empire State Building is in freaking Eagles colors. After that game ended like that in Kansas City, I'm kind of rooting for the Eagles. Am I allowed to say that? Do I have to turn the camera off? Do I have to turn the microphone off? Uh, am I allowed to say that? Because that's how annoyed I am. I feel like Cincinnati should be playing in this game. Maybe I wanted to see Cincinnati. Maybe this is me just letting this all hang out a little bit. When officiating gets in the way of a game like that, it really pisses me off. It really pisses me off. It goes back. It's not going to be anywhere close, obviously, to the St. Ram game a few years ago in which New Orleans got absolutely jobbed in the NFC title game. Job. One of the, that was as bad as it gets from an officiating standpoint. The course of this game, though, is pretty damn close. The one-sided nature of the game, mind-blowing. Absolutely, positively mind-blowing. So, I'm sure I'm not going to be a popular figure in Kansas City. Uh, and now I think, I think everybody's going to hate me right now. Because even though I'm pissed off about the Empire State Building, I'm going to have Giant fans saying, J.J. rooting for this Lunatic Sirianni. Maybe I'll change my tip in a couple weeks. I don't know. Right now, I got a lot of emotions going through me. I got a lot of emotions going through me. So you just have to, yeah, you have to bear with me on a night like tonight. You have to bear with me. Because I, I thought we were getting the classic NFL films montage. The music, the quarterbacks, the ambiance, all of it. And we did not. We did not. And I do want to say this from a Jets standpoint. I'm watching this game tonight. This is the gold standard. These two quarterbacks are not going anywhere. Josh Allen, 
even with my questions about the intestinal fortitude of the Buffalo Bills, they're a factor. Herbert's a factor. How about the Dolphins going to get Vic Fangio and putting him on that defense, coaching him up? He's one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. Well, they're talent. Baltimore, you name it. Like, the AFC's really, really good. This game only heightens the sense of urgency for me to go and get a guy like Rodgers. You want to play with these big boys? Do I see Derek Carr going and beating Mahomes or Burrow like on the road in a playoff game? I, I, I don't. I, I don't. Now, we could save this. And I know there are plenty of Derek Carr guys out there. Plenty of them. Big Waz came on the podcast, big Derek Carr guy. Mike Flegelman came on the podcast, big Derek Carr guy. Beningo on board, Derek Carr. This is where I start looking down the road for the Jets. Like, Derek Carr, yeah, you can sell me on him getting the Jets to the playoffs, 100%. But if your goal is, I want to play with these big boys, you got to think long and hard about that. And that's why this story that came out today from Schefter, looking more and more likely that Aaron Rodgers has played his last game as a Packer, I think it's only going to sweeten the pot and heighten that sense of urgency for Woody Johnson, who you know for a fact is dying for him. He is dying to get his hands on Aaron Rodgers. How could he not be? You want to win? You need star quarterback play in this AFC. And that's why if I'm Brady, you know, a lot of people are speculating about Tom Brady's future. And forget it, he's not coming to Jets. Stop right there. Vegas is ties with McDaniels. I understand that. The NFC, though, is where you want to be. There's room for growth. Yeah, you have San Francisco. They're the team. That If I'm Tom Brady, I am, if I'm playing next year, that's the only place I want to play. With that roster, let me go there. Give me one year. Let me try and go off right off into the sunset with my boyhood team and win a Super Bowl. You see Tom Brady going to like, yeah, I saw Detroit. He's not going to Detroit. Please. Detroit and Vegas. Like, no, no, no. Tennessee. You think he wants to go to Tennessee with all their salary cap issues and be in this AFC at his age? I don't think so. I think it is Niners or bust for Mr. Brady. And I think from a Jets standpoint, you want to have championship aspirations next year? Legitimate championship aspirations. Rodgers the quarterback that's going to do that for you. I, I don't know if he can, but he's going to give you the best chance to be on this stage and to have this sort of platform. Let's take a call real quick, and then we'll come back. I want to do some stuff with the Nick Net game from the other night, and the Mets made a really smart move. I want to touch on that, too. Uh, let's hear this call quick, Stefan. Let's go. JJ, I'm sitting here watching the chiefs Bengals game. That's early second quarter. And I check Twitter, and I see the Empire State Building is lit up in green for Fly, Eagles, Fly. We have become the softest city. Oh, my God. This is a New York, New York podcast. We got to do something. Get the Mayor Adams on the phone. Get the police commissioner on the phone. Somebody. Oh, my God. What if they had beaten the Giants today? Would it still be green? Does the Empire State Building not represent New York anymore? Oh, my God. We have become the softest. You ever see a blue Liberty Bell? 
Never! We've become the softest city. Oh, my God. Can we just represent New York and be us for once? I am so happy to hear this call. I'm glad I'm not the only one to realize this because we, we started our segment today. I do SNY TV. Do you have a problem with that? And, and I think, to be honest, that should be the title of, of, of this particular podcast because I seem to have a lot of problems today. Maybe this is my airing of grievances, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I have a lot of problems today. I have a lot of problems with what I saw on Championship Sunday. I'm, I'm bitter. I'm salty. I'm angry. I'm ticked off. I'm all combined into one. And then the icing on the cake is the geniuses who run the Empire State Building say, yeah, green and white. And, you know, I got some fake news earlier in the day. Somebody, I, I, I saw this. I got clearly livid about it. And I fired it off in a couple of group chats. And, and somebody had mentioned to me that it was possible the idea of, oh, well, JJ, the, um, the Empire State Building's lit up that way because, you know, the Giants and the mayors, they lost the bet, blah, blah, blah. I go, no, 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 no. That can't be the case if they're doing it for Kansas City now, too. So I wanted to make sure I got that right. And even if it was, it's, it's a terrible, terrible bet. Like, Mayor Adams, and you welcome on the show anytime. I'd love to break some bread. I'd love to talk to the mayor of our city. If he's listening right now, Mayor Adams, you are welcome on the show whenever you like. Um, we got, we got to put an end to this. If the Eagles win the Super Bowl in two weeks, and I might even be rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl, but on behalf of the city that I represent, right? This is where I'm thinking about you guys. This is where I'm thinking about the bigger picture. There, there is no way I am going to allow that to go and be the narrative. No, no, no. That's where as New Yorkers, we got to stick together and say that that shit ain't going to fly. That shit ain't going to fly. All right. I do want to do some quick hits uh, on the basketball stuff, what we have coming up this week, and give the Mets a lot of credit. That's been a really nice move. This is what smart teams do. We'll tell you what that is momentarily. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. 
Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. How doers get more done. All right, before we say goodbye, a couple of quick hits. Nets take care of the Knicks. Irving was magnificent in the fourth quarter. Absolutely, positively magnificent in the fourth quarter. And and the Knicks defense, this entire game, and this always seems to be the case when they play Brooklyn, Brooklyn cannot miss a three-point shot playing against the Knicks. The Nets go and hit 22 three-pointers in this game on Saturday night to the point where it felt like the Nets were just spreading love. Now, I know Kyrie did his thing and he had 21 in the fourth quarter and was masterful, but you got four from O'Neal. You got four from Harris. You got a couple from Curry. You got some they're knocking down a couple. Like, it, it was just a nonstop barrage of threes to the point where you just couldn't feel like the Knicks were going to get back in the game to get a stop in order to go and win it. Now, if you would have told me before the start of the week, the Knicks would go 2-1 and one against Cleveland, Boston, and Brooklyn. Let's be real about this. Every single Knicks fan would have signed on the dotted line for them. You would have signed for 2-1. And, and the Knicks right now at 27-24 and 24 before they play the Lakers on Tuesday, they're in a position where you feel pretty good. About your chances of being in the playoffs. Like right now, if you were to handicap it, you'd probably put the Knicks at like minus 240, minus 250 to be in that plane. They are neck and neck with Miami. Like the, the five best teams in the Eastern Conference, and this is not going to change. You, you could take this to the bank. But in, in some order, it's going to be Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Cleveland. Barring injury. Those five teams are not going to be in the plan. Then you're going to have Miami, the Knicks, Atlanta, all kind of vying. And, and don't sleep on Toronto if they don't trade guys, which is going to be a very interesting aspect for these teams that are in the plan and the teams that are out of the plan. Do you like, do you fight to get in? Or do you say, like, if you're a team like Washington, who's in the play, they're in the playoffs, they're, they're, they're in the plan at 23 and 26. Do you say, listen, what we have right now ain't it. Let's trade Kuzma. Let's take calls on Porzingis. Let's let's see if somehow, some way we can find a taker for Bradley Beal in that crazy contract he has. Like, these are conversations I clearly would be having if I was in the Washington Wizards front office. I'm not. But they're one of those teams that they may decide, hey, let's blow it up. We're not any good. Or they may say, you know what? Let's try to make the playoffs. We know the Knicks are not going to operate in a way where they're selling off a ton of assets. If anything, they are going to look to A. That's going to be a fascinating question that we monitor now over the next couple of weeks. What is the next move for Leon Rose? Is it a supplemental, marginal type of move where, you know, you add a rotation piece, you add another 3 and D guy, you add another wing to this team. Maybe it's, it's a little help in the front court with the loss of Mitchell Robinson waiting to hear what his prognosis is going to be. 
You got to assume he's going to be back within the next couple of weeks. But is that something that scares the Knicks? I, I don't think an earth-shattering move is coming from the Knickerbockers. I think they'd love to make a move that moves the needle, but I kind of think they're happy with, hey, we're trending in the right direction. We love what we're getting out of Brunson. Love what you're getting out of Randall. Bears got to be better. Grimes has gotten a little funk here. They got to get him going. Hit a terrible game against the Celtics. He's going to get a lot of wide open looks. Because if you're guarding the Knicks, listen, you know what the game plan is. Shut down Julius, shut down Brunson. And with RJ struggling the way he has for a good chunk of this year, teams are going to say, hey, you know what? Let Barrett beat us from three as well. Those looks are going to be there. Let's be real about the Knicks. If they took any of those top four teams to a sixth game in a first-round series, is that the max you can expect? Probably. If they're not the plan, it's a disaster. I don't expect that to be the case. Although, I don't know if it's a disaster because then, hey, you're back in the NBA lottery. That's that's the hell that the Knicks are in right now. They're out of that lottery suit stakes, but they're not good enough yet to feel like they're a contender. You know, somebody had asked me, somebody who grew up with the with the 90s Knicks, big 90s Knicks fan, was asking me, he goes, you know, have the Knicks for you so far this year, game in and game out, and throughout the city, have they have they moved the needle the way, you know, those teams used to? And I said, as of right now, no, they have not. And I, I think there are two reasons for that. Number one, we had a great football season, especially from a Giants standpoint. The most intimate we've been in quite a while. And we're coming off a great baseball season where, you know, the Yankees and the Mets both were in the playoffs and won a bunch of games. And, you know, you felt like they were championship contenders. I think what's lacking from this Nick team, and, and it's a tough thing to add and have all of a sudden, is the idea of, like, when you're watching your regular season games, like, they're a likable team, this group. They play hard. For the most part, they're getting the most out of the talent. Like, I I, I don't have any issues with any of the guys on the team. Even Randall's kind of won me over. He's played great. Brunson, I absolutely adore. I like R.J. Barrett. I like Quentin Grimes. But I think for them, what's lacking is you want to feel like you're ascending towards that championship trajectory, even if you're not going to get there. And you have that combined with some of the nonsense you see in the NBA with the, the world management stuff, which I get and I understand and I know the season is way too long. The season is way too long. Let's be perfectly honest about that. I get why it's 82 games. They make a bazillion dollars. They're selling tickets, revenue, TV contracts, all that. Monday night, perfect example. The Laker guys are not playing against the Knicks. Well, management. They play Tuesday, Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. So they, they are conveniently getting a Monday night off. It's bad for the NBA product. And I know I'm sounding like the old man yelling on a cloud, you know, yelling about this, that, and the other thing. And that's kind of the subject of today's particular pot. I got a problem with everything. I really do. But think about this. You got LeBron James and Anthony Davis coming to Brooklyn once all year. They are not hurt. They're physically okay. We clearly saw that. 
even on Saturday night with some of the antics at the end of that Lakers Celtic game, which was absolutely fantastic, including Beverly. But you know they're coming once a year and you're not going to see them out there. That hurts the game Monday night. I'm, I am less likely to be dialed in. Now, I'll be at the carry dome, which is a subject we'll get to momentarily. I do have a trip. I'm like 24 in and out at the carry dome. But that's a big problem for the NBA. So, like, you're battling that and you're battling a team that is only up and up, has some interesting pieces, but doesn't have that upward championship trajectory. That's when it feels like every game in a regular season, you're kind of living and dying on every single play, minute, possession, you name. And the Knicks got to get back to that point. They're not there yet. They're not an embarrassment. They're not an albatross. They're easy to like. They're easy to root for. But they're a couple of dudes short. There's no doubt. Definitely a couple of dudes short. Now, McNeil getting locked up by the Mets is genius. That is what smart teams do. You have a guy who can play a bunch of different positions. He won a batting title. He doesn't want to wait on a big contract. Jeff McNeil at his age, a couple of years down the road, he's not thinking about Aaron Judge type money. He's not thinking about Justin Verlander type money. What the Mets gave him now is financial security for the rest of his life. Guys like that are going to take it. You buy out some of those free agent years. In four or five years, you may say, you know what? We've had enough of Jeff McNeil. He's not the player he once was. Maybe it's injuries. Maybe he's not aging great. We're ready to move on. But for the time being, you take care of the player. You don't have to worry about arbitration. Buy out those free agent years. It's a good way of doing business. And I would want to see the Mets do the exact same thing on Alonzo. The Yankees missed the butt on this with Judge. Not saying he necessarily would have accepted the contract that Jeff McNeil accepted. But that's what smart teams do. They identify players they like. They know they're going to be a part of the infrastructure. Buy out some of those arbitration years and take care of them. Job well done by Cohen and all of the powers that be with the New York Mets who are bringing back probably my favorite Met. McNeil is hands down my favorite Met. So, good move. Very, very good move. All right, Jeff Money. Uh, I'm cranky. Very, very cranky today, Jeff Money. Let's hear it. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper. Picks is beat for tomorrow, Monday the 30th. I got two plays for you. I got one in college basketball and one in the NBA. College basketball play, I'm going to go with Alabama State. Minus the one and a half over Florida A&M. And in the NBA, I'm going to go with the Oklahoma City Thunder plus the three over the Golden State Warriors. Again, two plays in college basketball. We're going to go with Alabama State minus the one and a half. And in the NBA, I'm going to take the Oklahoma City Thunder plus the three. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Now, in case you're wondering where my Monday is going to be, I will be on a flight tomorrow morning, actually early afternoon, up to the carrier dome. And I got to watch Syracuse probably get absolutely destroyed by Virginia. So if you know how my last couple of days have been going, and you've been following, and you've been monitoring, and you kind of know my frame of mind, you should unload on Virginia tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy my dinosaur barbecue. I'm going to be excited to be back on campus. I'm going to go from being on the golf course Saturday to freezing my ass off 20 degrees with the face mask and the hood and the hat 
and the gloves and the two jackets. I mean, I'm going to be dressing like I'm going to Siberia, for goodness sakes. Bet Virginia tomorrow. They'll end five. The JJ Misery Index is only climbing by the minute. For those of you in the listening audience, I encourage you, I encourage you to just follow that trend. Follow that trend. Enjoy it. Take it. And at least somebody can cash in. I enjoyed this. This was therapeutic for me. Sometimes when you're angry, therapy is needed. My podcast happens to be a form of therapy. Sometimes I don't even realize it. This was rather therapeutic. Very, very therapeutic. We got two weeks to get ready for the Eagles and the Chiefs. Well, what a disaster. What a disaster. On that note, good job by Stefan. We'll be back later in the week. We got Lakers and Nets on Tuesday. Thursday, we'll start making that transition, thinking about what February and March are going to look like, thinking about what Super Bowl week is going to look like. And believe it or not, folks, with the Super Bowl being late this year, that game ends, pitching and catches like three days away. Like, it's going to be opening day. I'm going to be in Vegas. I'm actually going to be in Vegas this year for opening day because I'm doing my way-too-early bachelor party five months before the wedding. I wanted to do a Final Four weekend, so our, our pod that Thursday uh, will be live from Las Vegas. Live from the casino. Uh, no, probably live from my room, but you get my drift. That'll be an interesting way to kick off opening day. Yankees, Mets, two-team parlay, perhaps. See, I'm already thinking about better days ahead. On that note, JJ is signing off. Good job by Stefan. We'll chat later in the week. Hope you enjoyed uh, this vent sesh for me. Got a problem with a lot. Sure do. We out. Be good, everybody.